0: Welcome to Commuter Highlights from First Church Belfast. Here we've distilled our normal Sunday service into a call to worship, a prayer, two readings, a sermon and an organ outro for you to listen to on your way to work, out on a walk or wherever. If you feel so inclined, you can support our work by going to firstchurchbelfast.org and clicking on the donate button. We really would appreciate it. Here is this week's Commuter Highlights from First Church, Belfast. Good morning, everyone. What a very warm welcome to this, our service of worship here in First Church, Belfast. We welcome, if you're visiting with us today, we, we have a Jim and Pat from Florida. Come all the way over from Florida just for the service, and then they're heading back uh, later this afternoon. It's very kind of them, isn't it? But we're very welcome to Jim and Pat, and there's another lady, I think, who came in at the very... Oh. I beg your pardon, yes, who I missed doing. I thought she was wanting to have a look around the church. So I told you come on, you've got two minutes to go before we start. But you're very welcome as well. And also to anybody who's joining with us online, I uh, hope you feel part of our, our church community here. Let us come together in the presence of God and, and and in the presence of each other. God is here and we are here. So let us celebrate together. We join together in prayer. God of light and power, God of weakness and darkness, God who can and God who makes, God who knows of failure and corruption, God of peace and justice, God of the troubled and oppressed, God of the calm and strength, God of defeat and confusion. God of the noise and the singing, we come to worship you. God of today, yesterday and tomorrow, today we worship you. God who has formed each of us with our abilities and feelings, with our passions and weaknesses, we take this time to listen, to reflect, to think. And we know that we have done wrong things. We have failed to go beyond the right to do the best and we have been narrow in our circle of love and care. Forgive us our trespasses, the times we have gone wrong, failed in what we promised, missed the goal, fallen short of the best, drifted away from the course we should have followed. Forgive us our sins, the hurt we have caused, the hate we have shown, and the harm we have carried out. Forgive us our debts, for the love we have received, for the opportunities we have been given, for the beauty we have experienced and the freedom we have enjoyed. God forgive us, renew us and enable us to grow in love. Help us to forgive others their trespasses against us, their sins against us, their debts against us. So may we live in peace with you and with our neighbors. I came back from holiday and i'd forgotten that i had yet to organize somebody to do the first reading uh for today's service so in a panic i managed to 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 pick something uh, to read for you this morning it's from dame carol ann duffy a poet and playwright who's apparently a professor of contemporary poetry at manchester metropolitan university uh According to Wikipedia, she was appointed poet laureate in May 2009, and she was the first woman and the first Scottish-born poet to hold such a position. So as today's theme for the service is one of prayer, uh, I'm going to read the poem Prayer by Carol Ann Duffy. Some days, although we cannot pray, a prayer utters itself. And so a woman will lift her head from the sieve of her hands and stare at the minims sung by a tree, a sudden gift. Some nights, although we are faithless, the truth enters our hearts, that small familiar pain. Then a man will stand stock still hearing his youth in the distant Latin chanting of a train. Pray for us now, grade one piano scales, console the lodger looking out across a Midlands town. Then dusk, and someone calls a child's name as though they named their loss. Darkness outside, inside the radio's prayer, Rockall, Malin, Dogger, Finisterre. Amen. Our second reading this morning is the lectionary reading for this particular Sunday, and it comes from Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 11, the first 13 verses. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are, are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give anything because he is, he is his friend, At least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, we will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. As the storm raged, the captain realised his ship was sinking, and it was sinking fast. And so he shouted out, anyone here know how to pray? And just one man stepped forward and said, "I, captain, I know how to pray. Good, said the captain, you pray while the rest of us put on our life jackets. We're one short. Prayer is something that happens every week in churches up and down this land. And while it's a regular occurrence, it's often a misunderstood practice. There are as many ideas about prayer as there are people that pray. And we all have our own thoughts about what prayer is. And I've decided to give you a selection of mine. I'll tell you what prayer isn't, first of all. It's not some Harry Potter style of magic where you say certain words and specific things happen. Neither is it a bit like Santa Claus, uh, you know, being good and you get what you ask for and be bad and you don't get anything at all. Instead, I'm going to suggest that prayer is more akin to the language of the heart. It's as uh, an invitation to sense the connectedness of the entirety of life and the always presence of God, rather than an elsewhere God. And the characteristics of this kind of praying include the ability to listen in silence, giving insights into ourselves and maybe other people, and importantly, connecting us to each other and to that which we we call God. I also read various other comments about uh, people who were talking about prayer. The Danish uh, philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once commented, Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. And others have re- refined that a little bit to say, you know, prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes people and people change things. Henry Wyman went further and suggested that prayer works with the recreation of the one who prays, of the appreciable world and of their association with it, so that the prayerful request is fulfilled in the new creation. It's about reimagining the world, about reimagining relationships, and about reimagining possibilities and the focus of today's second reading is on prayer what we have called the lord's prayer and luke says uh, in the context of the story that it's a request from the disciples of jesus to teach them how to pray and so we are given luke's version of that prayer matthew's version differs a little uh, bit but not a terribly huge amount but it is slightly different Now, there is an amount of doubt as to whether Jesus actually taught anybody how to pray, let alone his group of disciples. Those who follow 21st century scholarship now consider that this prayer has come from a group of people called the Q people. Now, it's not the modern day conspiracy theorists, but one of several groups of people who made up the early church, the early Jesus movement. The the word Q comes from the German word Kel which means source and this is an alternative source of Jesus' sayings that uh, scholars think were circulating uh, in the early church and their particular claim to fame these people who relied on Q was they were only interested in the teachings of Jesus and not on the person of Jesus or on his life or on his destiny. And during their time together as a community, they began to develop a series of strategies to help them survive. And those strategies were primarily, they started writing wisdom down. Q was a a collection of sayings that were remembered. And so for 20, 30, 40 years after Jesus, People said, do you remember he said this and he taught us that story about this? And nobody bothered to write it down because there was this idea that Jesus was returning soon. And why would you need to write it down? And of course, as time went on and Jesus was noticeably absent, uh, they thought we we better get these things down on parchment before everybody forgets uh, what was said. They also began to claim Jesus as their founder. And they began to compose and write down sayings, uh, angry sayings condemning those who rejected them. And then finally, they began to institutionalise prayer as a response to their, their situation, their uh, situation of persecution. And the outcome of one of those strategies was they we've come to identify as we've come to identify as the Lord's Prayer. And it's named that way because they took bits and pieces from the teachings of Jesus. They wove them together so that every time they said these words, it reminded them of their founder. It reminded them of Jesus. And it was an amazing strategy. This short prayer showed they believed Jesus' prayer life, what Jesus' prayer life was. And as a result, they believed that this was what their prayer, prayer life needed to be like. Uh, basically and broadly focused and more broadly focused than than many uh, religious people would have in their own prayer lives today. Now all this might seem to be a little bit of head stuff, a little bit academic rather than heart stuff. It's not visceral, it's not felt. So I went to see if I could find something or someone else who could make this uh, very real and I was reminded though when I was in theological college uh, some nearly 30 years ago, i did a module on liberation uh, theology and for those who don't know what liberation theology is it's basically it's a bottom-up theology that begins with direct experience instead of the top-down theology which begins with an idea or a concept and then develops develops it into a doctrine or a theology and a lot of liberation theology started off in central and latin america and it started with the people. It didn't start with the theologians or the academics. It started with the people. And I found uh, something from a group of refugees in El Salvador who t- took the Lord's Prayer and they earthed it in their own experiences of living in this world. And here is the, the result uh, of their reflection on this prayer. It says, Abba, our Father... As God's children may we build a new earth of sisterhood and brotherhood not a hell of violence and death may your name be holy that in God's name let there be no abuse no oppression and no manipulation of the conscience and liberty of your children may your rule take place not the rule of fear force or money but of seeking peace Give us each day our daily bread, the bread of peace, so we can sow our maize and beans and watch them grow and share them together as a family. Pardon our debts, for we ourselves pardon everyone in debt to us. May our relationships not be based on self-interest. And do not bring us to trial, into a trying situation, let us change lament for songs of life, clenched fists for outstretched hands, and the weeping of widows and orphans for smiles. This is not the reciting of some well-known words as we do almost in autopilot. This is prayer in its traditional form today is a bit like that. But this is basic existence. This is the prayer of real life. And so is the story which Luke adds to his prayer story. The arrival of an unexpected guest seeking hospitality. But there's no food in the house. So a neighbour is asked to help out. As the Uniting Church of Canada Minister Bruce Pruer uh, says... Luke's Jesus is talking about basics. Good food, not luxuries for the over-pampered. Fish and eggs were the main source of protein in the common person's diet. Not coral trout, but plain stubby little fish from Lake Galilee, the ones now called St. Peter's fish. And eggs, not caviar, but common hen's eggs, basics. It is for the needs of others that we are told to ask and seek and knock on God's metaphorical door. And that's what makes this Lucan story important. That's what makes the refugees' reflection important. That's what makes the Q uh, people's prayer, the Lord's prayer, important. That's what makes what we do. And say every week important. Amid the basics of life and remembering others' needs, it invites us to reimagine the world, to reimagine relationships, and to reimagine possibilities. Not for our benefit, but for theirs. Because prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes people, and people change things. Amen. Time has now come for us to leave this sacred place, and as we do, may we embrace the challenges of our lives and our world. We receive fragments of holiness, glimpses of eternity brief moments of insight. Let us gather them up for the precious gifts that they are and renewed by their grace move boldly into the unknown. So go now in peace and celebrate the presence of that which we call God in your lives. Amen.